Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rte.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. And now some hemoglobin from a hallowed 1960s production of Dracula in the RTE Drama Archives with a Transylvanian twist in the tale alongside the original announcements from Henry Street. We now present Dracula by Bram Stoker, freely adapted for radio by PJ O'Connor. We advise listeners who are nervous or who may be alone or with children that parts of this programme are quite startling. Here with me in the studio, waiting to introduce the play, is Count... Good evening. Dracula speaking. Count Dracula. Do not switch off. Don't even try. You cannot, even if you wish to. The undead live through one another. Listen. No, that is not in your imagination. You really heard my friend of the night. Listen again. Yes, the call of the wolf. The call of the undead seeking help. Don't close the window. I can get to you anyway. What in heaven's name are you doing aboard this crate? Oh, business and pleasure, old chap. Paris in the spring, make a little, spend a lot. Fellow needs to relax every now and then. <laughs> relax, you? The Honourable Arthur Homewood needs to relax. I should jolly well think so. The Irish gentry, what's left of them, that is, work awfully hard, old boy. Georgian meetings and balance sessions take a lot out of a fellow. <laughs> Good old Arthur. You haven't changed a bit. I'm really glad to see you. Tell me, how's Lucy? Oh, just a wee bit peaky. Been off colour for some weeks past. Refused point blank to come to Paris. She's gone to some local watering place for sea air. Hope it revives the old dear. We're getting married in the fall. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and what a coincidence. I'm taking the plunge myself about the same time. Oh, congratulations, old chap. This calls for celebration once they get this crate off the ground. Do I know the lady? It's hardly likely. Although she's an old friend of Lucy's. Mina Murray. They palled around a lot when Jack Seward was in the list of runners. Really? No, I, I can't say I met her, but I'm looking forward to a jolly old get-together when we get back. Here, here. You know, we owe Jack a night out. Rather, it should be like old times again, one for all and all for one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, has he taken up his new appointment yet? Who? who? Oh, you, Jack, yes, I think so. We, uh, we went on quite a binge after I became engaged to Lucy. Jack was very fond of her, you know. Yes, I know. He's the chief cook and bottle washer at some private asylum high up in the Wicklow Hills, near Pool of Fuca, I believe. Oh, these doctors are all of a kind, dedicated lunatics. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Aer Lingus Irish International Airlines welcomes you on board. Please fasten your seatbelts and no smoking till we're airborne. Thank you. 
Now, you tell me, what the devil are you doing in this infernal machine? Well, actually, I'm on my way to Transylvania. In heaven's name, what for? Oh, same as yourself, business. Mr. Hawkins was too ill to travel, so he sends me to represent the firm. Oh, bully for you. All exes paid, I dare say. Oh, but of course. As a matter of fact, I'm rather looking forward to this trip, and I have been for some time. I haven't had a holiday for years. It should be even more enjoyable at the firm's expense. Oh, naturally. But where exactly is the place? What place? Uh, Transylvania. Oh, yes, well, it's on the borders of Moldavia and Bukovina. Oh, thanks. That clarifies everything. <laughs> well, all I really know is that it's in the middle of the Carpathian Mountains. And the part I'm destined to visit is one of the wildest and least known places on the continent. Castle Dracula. It's the home of Count Dracula. Dracula? I can't say I ever heard of him. Well, neither have I. But if his letters are anything to go by, he seems to be a decent old chap. Oh, yes, yes, I'd say so. Most of these continental jollies are great fun. You should have a hell of a time. He'd be delighted to welcome new blood into the circle. <laughs> He's probably bored stiff, just like the Irish gentry. Wise him up on the balancing. <laughs> I'll do that. Well, here we go. Castle Dracula, here I come. Welcome to my house. Enter freely and of your own free will. Come freely, go safely, and leave something of the happiness you bring. Count Dracula? I am Dracula. I bid you welcome Mr. Harker to my house. Come in. The night air is chill, and you must need to eat. And rest. So you see, my young friend, how it is with me. For years I have longed to visit the great capital of your country. But alas, as yet I know only the language you speak through books. Indeed. In my opinion, Count, you speak excellently. That is not enough for me. Here I am noble, I am boyar, the common people know me, and I am master. But a stranger in a strange land is no one. <laughs> then you really intend to leave here and live in Ireland? But of course. My friend... You came to me not alone as agent of my friend Peter Hawkins of Dorky to tell me all about my new estate in Dublin. You shall, I trust, rest here with me a while so that by our talking I may learn the English intonation. The children of the night, listen. Children of the night, 
Ah, sir, you dwellers in the city cannot enter into the feelings of the hunter. <laughs> and now, Mr. Harker, you may go anywhere you wish in the castle, except where the doors are locked. We are in Transylvania, and Transylvania is not Ireland. Our ways are not your ways, and there shall be to you many strange things very many strange things sleep well mr harker that first night at castle dracula i did sleep well indeed i hope so for all that now follows was so startlingly real that i'm still not sure that it did not really happen for now i am no longer alone in the moonlight opposite me are three young women. Go on. You are first. We shall follow. Yours is the right to begin. Oh, he's young and strong. There are kisses for us all. One of the young women now advanced and bent over me till I could feel the movement of her breath upon me. She licked her lips like an animal and I could see in the moonlight the moisture shining on the scarlet lips and on the red tongue as it lapped the white sharp teeth. Away, away, how dare you touch him? Any of you, how dare you cast eyes on him when I had forbidden it? Back, I say! This man belongs to me. Beware how you meddle with him, or you'll have to deal with me. You yourself never loved. You never love. We need love. We do. We do. Silence. We do. Well, now I promise you that when I am done with him, you shall kiss him at your will. Go. I must awaken him. There is work to be done. Are we to have nothing tonight? Take this bag. What's in it? Open it. I gazed in horror at the awful scene. The women suddenly disappeared. They simply seemed to fade into the ranks of moonlight and pass away into the night. Then horror overcame me, and I sank down unconscious. Suddenly, a voice cried from outside the castle gate.
I now knew for certain that my position was desperate. I must make an effort to escape from this awful place. At dawn, I searched the castle from end to end, but found no trace of any living creature. I was alone. I was about to give up the search and return to my room when I pulled open a heavy door and found myself in an old ruined chapel, which had evidently been used as a graveyard. The ground had recently been dug over and the earth placed in great wooden boxes, of which there were 50 in all. In one of the boxes, on a pile of newly dug earth, lay the Count. He, he looked as if, as if his youth had been half renewed, for the white hair and moustache were changed to dark iron grey. The cheeks were fuller, and the white skin seemed ruby red underneath. The mouth was redder than ever, for on the lips were gouts of fresh blood, which trickled from the corners and ran over the chin and neck. I shuddered as I bent over to touch him, and every sense in me revolted at the contact. But I had to search for the keys of the great gates, or, or I was lost. But when I looked in the dead eyes of this monster, and suddenly saw in them, dead though they were, such a look of hate, I fled from the place and returned to my rooms. That night, the Count awakened me some hours before dawn. Tomorrow, my friend, we must part. I have decided you return to your beautiful island. I to some work which may have such an end that we may never meet again. In the morning, my carriage shall come for you and shall bear you to the Borgo Pass to meet the diligence from Bukovina to Bistritz. Why may I not go tonight? Because, my dear sir, my coachman and horses are away on a mission. I am quite able to walk. Uh, besides, I want to leave at once. And your baggage? It doesn't matter. I insist on leaving this very moment. So, you insist? Very well. Come then. Hark! Listen! Farewell, Irishman. Shut that door! I, I must wait, it seems. I have no choice. Sleep well tonight, my friend. <laughs> Sleep well. What am I to do? What am I to do? Back, back to your own place. Your time is not yet come. Wait, have patience. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night is yours. Hello? Lucy, darling. 
Oh, how nice of you to phone, Mina. How are you, dear? Stronger some days and weaker others, and generally very depressed and lonely. Arthur's gone to Paris on business. Oh, Mina, you must visit us here in Greystones. Yes, I'll go down tomorrow afternoon. Oh, good girl. I'm looking forward to a good old-fashioned chat. Uh, by the by, how's Jonathan? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I just don't know. He went abroad some weeks ago on business. He hasn't put pen to paper since. Oh, that isn't like Jonathan. Where did he go to? Transylvania. In heaven's name, where's Transylvania? On the borders of Russia. Well, now you're a grass widow like myself. We'll expect you in Greystones tomorrow night. What's the weather been like since you arrived? Exquisite up to last Sunday, but then we had the most terrible storm. I, I was absolutely terrified. You're not the only one, dear. It was pretty bad all over. I didn't sleep all night. It was really frightening here. You see, from my bed here, I can see right over the harbour and the bay. Mountainous seas, thunder and lightning, the lot. When the storm was at its height, the most weird and extraordinary thing occurred. I saw it myself. A ship which should have been totally wrecked in such seas, miraculously made for harbour and came safely ashore. I read something about that in the papers. Russian, wasn't she? Yes. Yes, but you, you haven't heard the weirdest part. When the ship was boarded, there wasn't a sinner to be found, only the body of the captain lashed to the wheel, and he'd been dead several days. Yet someone guided the ship to safety. The only live creature seen was a huge hound which jumped ashore. He hasn't been seen since. A hound? What in heaven's name was a hound doing aboard ship? Your guess is as good as mine. That's only part of the mystery. When the cargo was examined, it was found to be undamaged. Do you know what it was? haven't a clue, darling. Just boxes of earth. Fifty huge boxes of earth. Boxes of earth? Who would want to import fifty boxes of earth? Well, they've been claimed by some solicitors in Bray for a client who's bought a haunted mansion near Roundwood. It's creepy, isn't it? My nerves have all gone to pieces in the last week. I, I haven't been able to sleep at all. Now, I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for all this. Haunted mansion, indeed. Mustn't let your imagination run wild, Lucy, darling. I can't help it, Mina. I've, I've had the most awful dreams. I seem to see two small red eyes gazing in at me every so often through through wisps of mist or cloud that pass the window. I'm really frightened, Mina. Have you seen a doctor? Oh, yes. M Mama insisted on calling Dr. Jack Seward. Oh, how nice. How embarrassing, you mean. Would you like to be examined by a man whom you jilted only three weeks ago? I should hate it, darling. But Jack is a pet. Of course, he's a neighbor of yours now. Practices near Pulafuca, I believe. How cozy for you, Lucy. Well, what did he say? He could find nothing organically wrong. He seems genuinely worried about my continuing weakness and loss of blood. He says I'm not anemic and he's completely puzzled. Now he thinks it may be a mental condition and he's bringing some world-famous head shrinker to see me tonight. Head shrinker? A psychiatrist. Professor Abraham van Helsing, no less, all the way from Amsterdam. He flew over specially. Well, Jack's gone to Dublin Airport to collect him and drive him to Greystones. They, they should arrive at any moment now. Then I'll let you get some rest. Do relax, darling. Try to sleep. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Oh, John, 
Have you said anything of this matter to our young friend Arthur, the lover of your Miss Lucy? No, Professor. I decided to wait and hear your opinion. I wrote to Arthur telling him of Miss Westenra's illness and promising to contact him if necessary. Good boy. Better he not know yet. Perhaps he may never need to know. I pray it to be so. This case of our Miss Westenra's is one that may be, mind I say, may be, of great interest to us and to the world of medicine. But from what you have told me, I must ask you to proceed with all haste. Hurry, my friend John, lest we be too late. Hurry! There's no time to be lost. She will die from sheer want of blood. Quickly, friend John, what pleasure you find, please. Very low, Professor. Do you think we should transfuse? Immediately. First, the dextrose transfusion I will give myself. Oh, good. I'll group and cross-match her and make arrangements with the blood bank. My bag. Quickly. These flowers, Miss Lucy, are for you. For me? Oh, Dr. Van Helsing, how thoughtful you are. Ah, my dear, these flowers are not for you to play with. They are pretty, but what a strange perfume they have. Yes, my dear. These flowers are medicine for my Lucy. You see, I put some in your window, and then I make pretty wreaths, you see, and hang him around your neck, and so, and then you sleep well. Why, these flowers are only common garlic. Not trifling with me, young lady. I never jest. There is grim purpose in all I do, and I warn you to have belief in all I do. To bed, friend John, to bed. Good morning, Dr. Stewart. Good morning, Professor Van Helsing. Good morning, sister. Good morning. You will be glad to know that Lucy is better. The dear child is still asleep. I, I looked into her room and saw her, but I didn't go in in case I should disturb her. Aha, uh -huh. I thought I had diagnosed the case. Well, I was anxious about the dear child in the night and went into her room. She was sleeping soundly, so soundly that even my coming didn't wake her. But the room was awfully stuffy. There was a lot of those horrible, strong-smelling flowers about everywhere, and she had actually a bunch of them round her neck. So I took them all away. No, no, no. I also opened the window to let in a little fresh air. You will be pleased with her, I'm sure. What has this foolish creature done? She does such a thing as will lose poor Lucy, body and soul. The powers of all the devils are against us. Come. I'll go get the blood supply. No, friend John, you must give your own blood, I think. There's no time to lose. See? Yes, the wound on her throat have disappeared. She's dying. It will not be long now. It will be much difference, mark me, whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. How is she, Jack? Arthur, thank heavens you came. How is she? I, I got here as quickly as I could. Has there been any improvement? The news is not good, Arthur. She's very, very ill. Oh, no. I'm afraid so, Arthur. Oh, this is Professor Van Helsing. Oh, how do you do? I, I'm most grateful to you, sir, for everything you tried to do. My poor boy. 
You are the lover of our dear miss. She is bad. Very, very bad. Is there nothing we can do? Arthur, my dear friend, you must summon all your courage. It will be best and easiest for her. must not believe me. Hold her hand. It will comfort oh, her more. Oh, my love, I'm, I'm so glad you, you've come. Kiss me. Oh, kiss me. Not for your life. Do not if you value your living soul and hers. Oh, she is dead. Poor girl. There's peace for her at last. Not so, alas. Not so. It is only the beginning. I have placed the garlic flour around the body in the mortuary and also a relic on the mouth... Nothing more can be done tonight. But tomorrow I want you to bring me before night a set of postmortem knives. Must we make an autopsy? Yes and no. I, I want to operate, but not as you think. What do you intend to do? I want to cut off her head and take out her heart. Dr. Van Helsing, are you mad? Would that I were. Madness were easy to bear compared with truth like this. Tonight I go to prove it. Dare you come with me to the mortuary where Miss Lucy's body lies in the coffin tonight? You leave me little choice, Professor. It is better so. See, here's a second key to the mortuary. When Lucy is coffined this evening, ready for the funeral tomorrow, and when everyone has left, you and I will return and spend the night inside the mortuary. She's more beautiful than ever. I can hardly believe that I'm looking at a dead body. See, the lips are redder than before, John. Yes. Now watch. I pass them. And see the teeth, sharper than before also. She has been dead over three days. Most people in that time would not look so beautiful. Is this then really Lucy's body, or only a, a demon in her shape? It is her body, and yet not it. But in a few moments, you shall see her as she was and is. First the operating knives. Now the stake and hammer for you, John. For me? Yes, friend John. You must now do more than assist. I know you will when you hear what I now tell you of Lucy, now one of the undead because of the kiss she received from the vampire. I speak now from the lore and experience of the ancients and of all those who have studied the powers of the undead. When they become such, there comes with the change the curse of immortality. 
They cannot die, but must go on age after age, adding new victims and multiplying the evils of the world. For all that die from the praying of the undead become themselves undead and prey on their kind. And so the circle goes on ever widening. But when this now undead be made to rest as true dead, then the soul of the young lady shall again be free. Instead of working wickedness by night, she shall take her place with the angels. So that, my friend John, it will be a blessed hand for her that shall strike the blow that sets her free. Tell me what I'm to do. Take this stake in your left hand, ready to place the point over the heart, and take the hammer in your right. When I begin to say the prayer for the dead, strike, so that all may be well with the dead that we love and that the undead pass away. Are you ready, friend John? Ready, Professor. Mina Murray, is it not? Miss Mina Murray, that was. I am now Mrs. Jonathan Harker. Indeed. Please accept my congratulations. I am Dr. Van Helsing. I have come to speak to the friend of that poor dear child, Lucy Vestendra. Madame Mina, it is on account of the dead I come. Oh, sir, you could have no better claim on me than that you were a friend of Lucy Vestendra. Please come in. Mina, I knew that the friend of that poor Lily must be good, but I had yet to learn... Please sit down, Doctor. Thank you. Now, what did you wish to see me about? I have read your letters to Miss Lucy. I know that you were to come and stay with her in Greystones. I know that you did not do so because you had to go abroad. Why was it that you leave Ireland in so great a hurry? Well, I received a letter from the hospital of St. Joseph and St. Mary in Budapest which was written at the request of Mr. Harker, now my husband, who was too ill to write himself, asking me to come to Budapest immediately, as he had received some terrible shock and was on the verge of a breakdown. So you went? Yes. How did you find Mr. Harker? Jonathan was very disturbed. In his sleep, he raved of dreadful things. What things? Oh, wolves, blood, ghosts. <sighs> did he recover immediately? Not for some weeks. He seemed to have a premonition that something dreadful might happen. He insisted that we be married immediately. So we were married there and then in the hospital at Budapest. Has he spoken at all about what happened during his stay in Transylvania? No. How is he now? Has he fully recovered? He has almost recovered. And then last Thursday night, he thought he saw someone who recalled terrible memories for him. We were walking down Grafton Street when suddenly Jonathan cried out. Mina! Do you, do you see who it is? Where? That man in the dark suit, under the street lamp, there at the Royal Bank corner. Great heavens, he's following that little girl. But who is he, darling? It is the man himself. It is Count Dracula. But he has grown young, but I'm sure it is he. Oh, Mina, what am I to do if this be so? Oh, no! 
I may, I suppose, take it that we are all acquainted with the facts that are in these documents. Yes, yes, and it were, I think, good that I tell you something of the kind of enemy with which we have to deal. It is a strange fact, but this thing which is not of nature has to obey some of nature's laws. Why, we know not. That's true. For instance, in Transylvania, it was always at night that Dracula appeared. Yes, his power ceases, as does that of all evil things at the coming of the day. Then he returns to his hell home and lies on the unhallowed earth in his coffin until the setting of the sun. And so, when we find the habitation of this man that was, we can confine him to his coffin and destroy him if we obey what we know. And we already know that 50 boxes of this unhallowed earth were moved from Greystones to Roundwood and are stored in the cellars of the old mansion near Loch Dan. Then all we have to do is to find this old house and kill the monster as he sleeps in one of his coffins. Alas, my friend... We will not find it so easy to trap Count Dracula. Fifty boxes of earth were delivered to Roundwood, but what proof have we that fifty boxes of earth are still there? You mean... I mean that Count Dracula may already have dispatched boxes to other derelict mansions so that he will have a choice of places to lay his head during the long hours of daylight. I suggest that we drive across immediately and look at this house right now. I agree, friend John, but I warn you, one and all, to be prepared. If he is there, we must either capture or kill this monster in his lair. We must, so to speak, sterilize the earth with garlic and holy relics so that no more he can seek safety in it. Then the sooner we go, the better. It is now 4.30. Sunset is at 7.30. We haven't really much time. Alas, Madame Mina, I fear you cannot come with us. You are too precious to us to have such risk. I'll do whatever you say, of course. But I would much prefer to be with you. I have the strangest feeling that something... Awful is about to happen. We have examined every part of this dungeon and have opened each and every coffin. He is not here. What do we do now, Professor? We must work with twice the speed. How many boxes are missing, Jonathan? Twenty-one. Twenty-one, eh? Well, then, these he could not have moved himself. So first we make inquiries from the local police, and then maybe we get on the track of those who carry the boxes away. Well, it's too late to do much tonight, Professor. We've spent over two hours searching here. Well, then we split forces. Arthur and Jonathan will go in search of places where the boxes now lie. Friend John and I go straight back to the asylum. When I turn the handle, if the door does not open, do you put your shoulder and break it down? Right. Now! Great heavens, it's here! Look, leaning over the bed! The relic! Show it! Ah, see, he moves away. He's disappearing. Look, even the blood dripping from his mouth, it's changing into vapor. Yes, there he goes through the window and out into the night. Enough. We must attend to Madame Mina. The brandy, if you please. Here. Oh, doctor, there's blood on her lips. 
What can that mean? We shall soon know. Madam, me now. Wake up. Wake up, I say. No! No! Do no, not hear no, no, now, no, my dear. We are here. Van Helsing and Seward, you see us. Yes. Oh, don't leave me. Don't leave me. You are safe now, Madam Mina. While this relic is here, no foul thing can approach. Now, Madam Mina, poor dear Madam Mina, tell us exactly what happened. Must I speak now, Professor? I'm tired. I do not want that you be pained, but it is need that we know all. For now more than ever has all work to be done, quick and sharp. The time is near when we must end all this, and now is the chance that we may learn and live. Please tell us everything, Madame Mina. Very well. As the sun was setting, I took the sleeping draught, which you so kindly gave me. But for some time it did not act. I noticed that in the room was a thin, white mist. I became frightened. I could sense that someone other than myself was in the room. I knew that Count Dracula stood beside me. I would have screamed out, only that I was paralyzed. Then, with a mocking smile, he bared my neck and placed his reeking lips upon my throat. I could not cry out. I felt my strength fading away, and I was in a swoon. How long this horrible thing lasted, I do not know. But a long time passed before he took away his foul, sneering mouth, now dripping with fresh blood. Then he spoke to me. And so... You, like the others, would play your brains against mine. You would help these men to hurt me and frustrate me in my designs. You know now, and they partly know already and will know in full, before long what it is to cross my path. Whilst they played wits against me, I was already revenging myself on them through you, their best beloved. <laughs> now you are flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, kin of my kin and shall be later on my companion and my helper. You shall be avenged in turn, for not one of them but shall minister to your needs. But you must yet be punished for what you have done. You have aided in thwarting me. Now you shall come to my call. When my brain says, come to you, you shall cross land or sea to do my bidding and to ensure that this shall be, you will now do as I command. 
this instant. It would open his shirt, and with his long, sharp nails, opened a vein in his breast. When the blood began to spurt out, he seized my neck and pressed my mouth to the wound, so that I must suffocate or swallow someone. Oh, oh, what have I done? Oh, what have I done to deserve such a fate? Oh, what is to become of me now? What? Oh, oh, oh I wish I were dead. No, you must not die, Madame Mina. Until this vampire who has fouled your sweet life is true dead, you must not die. For if he is still with the undead, your death will make you even as he is. I will once more prepare your room so that he cannot enter. And you yourself I will safeguard. Now, this holy relic I now place on your forehead. Great heavens, it's burned into a flesh like white-hot metal. Unclean, unclean. Oh, goodness, you hunt my polluted flesh. I must bear this mark of shame upon my forehead until the judgment day. No, my dear, it is not so. When we track down this monster and destroy him, that red scar will leave your forehead, and then you will once more be the Madame Mina we know and love. This very night we go and find the lair where he must lie tomorrow, and so at next sunset, sun will shine on Madame Mina's forehead, all white as ivory and with no stain. Now we go and complete the assignment. Come, my friend, waste not one second of time. about the chest, so, and the relic inside, so. Now Dracula and I shall soon meet. Replace the lid as it was. I care for nothing now except to wipe this brute from the face of creation. We are all devoted to this cause. Maybe tonight shall see the end. If we could find the last remaining chest, he would be finished for all time. But we have not been able to find it. Still, I know he will come to this second last home tonight. He will need to ensure that it is still safe for him. Ah, here are our friends, Rasa and Jonathan. Everything is all right. We found both places and destroyed all the boxes. Destroyed? For him. Have you been successful in your quest, Professor? Partly, as we have searched everywhere for the last remaining chest without success. It is not here. Then what's to be done? Wait. He will be here before long now. We should have ready some plan of attack so that we may throw away no chance. Have all your arms. Be ready. There he is. Where? On the far corner of the ruin, standing on the roof. He has tricked us. We cannot reach him. He's speaking. You'll 
have been listening to Dracula by Bram Stoker, adapted for radio by P.J. O'Connor. Count Dracula was played by Thomas Dudley. Professor Abraham von Helsing, Ivan Henley, Dr. Jack Seward, Connor Farrington, the Honorable Arthur Homewood, James Nalen, Jonathan Harker, Peter Dix. Daphne Carroll played Lucy Westenra, and Musetta Joyce, Mina Murray. Renfield was played by Vincent Bradley. The others taking part were Florence Lynch, Celia Solkeld, Moro Sullivan, Brandon O'Doyle, Michal Campion, and Brendan Moylan. Special effects were devised by Frank Lawler and Jimmy Wogan. Sound supervision was by Jim McHale. Dracula was produced by P.J. O'Connor. <laughs>